Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Legacy. 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 This is the Aztec Legacy Podcast with your host, Robert Ortiz. And uh, today we have a special, special guest. We have the GOAT of San Diego State. And um, he doesn't need much of an introduction. I don't want to, you know, be corny over here. But uh, he's a guy that I looked up to. One guy that uh, really put San Diego State and San Diego on the on the map. And uh, you all know him as Marshall Falk. What's up, buddy? What's going on, man? How you doing, Rob? I'm I'm blessed. I'm I'm glad that I could get you on this podcast so we could so we could learn a little bit about you. We've been we've been we've been trying to plan it for a while. It's been back and forth, back and forth, but we here now, man. Yeah, we here. Um, first thing I want to start off with is one. Thank you for uh, everything you've done for San Diego State. And um, I don't know if you know it, but I've had uh, George Jones. I've had Larry Ned, um, a couple other players out there on the podcast and they've all mentioned you when saying they were making their choice to send it, come to San Diego state. So, um, first of all, how does that make you feel? Oh, it's an honor, man. It's an honor, you know, and I've, I've met those guys or ran into them or we have some type of friendship. I mean, George and I, we keep in communication to, to I mean, still today. Um, and, uh, just not helping him out with his son, just, you know, as a, your kids get tired of hearing it from you. So you, they need to hear it from somebody else, but uh, just just all the friendships from Justin Watson, um, Lionel, uh, you know, uh, Ronnie, uh, Pump. Uh, we 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 all you know that just that running back fraternity that we have, you know, we keep we keep in uh, in in contact. Rashad, you know, we all keep in contact. Yeah, you. I mean, you kind of pretty much started it off the the running back. You, um, the other. I'm, I don't know. It was a few years back, I saw CBS put something out. Um, it was you. It was uh, Donnell. It was Penny. Um, I think – I don't know if they put George Jones in there, but they put a couple other running backs in there, and it was dope. I was like, damn, this is this – is, oh, yeah. this is dope right here. I mean, we have other right. positions that were, were dope too, but – We do. We do. But, but, but uh, running back you, I mean, that sounds good. I like that. Yeah, we, we, we had some guys that uh, in college, man, put up some great numbers. And then went on to the league and, and and played, you know, and did some good things as well. But as far as college go, like, you know, yard for yard, you know, I, I don't care what conference they played in, what team they played on. You pull out your three best backs and we put out our three or four best backs and, you know, we can compete. I think we more than compete. But um, <clears throat> I want to get into your journey before San Diego State. I know you were – you're you're an athlete. You were considered an athlete. Yeah. Um, yeah. You played. You played. Before what? that was a thing. Yeah. Before bef- that was a thing. Before it was a thing, you did everything. Um, I, I I was similar at my school. I was I I went to a small private school, um, and I had to do everything too. You know, but you did literally everything. You you even held kicks and kicked off, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so my first question is you were that guy in college. So who was Marshall Falk in high school? Uh, pretty, pretty similar, you know, college was different because every, when I played, when I played in high school and even little league, I mean, I played like whole games, played both sides of the ball. I played, you know, I rarely came out 
And so going to college, only playing running back didn't, you know, it's like, that was weird. Yeah. But when you're so accustomed to being the team uh-huh. and then you, you co you, you, it's like, this is all I have to do. All right, cool. You know, it, it was, it was nothing to me, but the fanfare playing in front of as many people as we played in front of in college. I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't normal. I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't even the best athlete on my team. <laughs> so in high school, so that's yeah. In high school, I okay. wasn't the best athlete on my team. I mean, it was, you know, there, there was a couple of guys that were better athletes than me. Uh-huh. Uh, probably didn't know the game of football as well as me. And, and the reason why what happened happened was because, you know, they didn't, they didn't, Student-wise, they didn't look at the education part of school. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to say this because a lot of people think it's because they just don't want to. Two of the guys, one had a kid our sophomore year. Yeah. So he had to get a job. And he was trying to play football, work, and, and be a parent. And uh, the, the other guy had to get a job to take care of his family because he was the breadwinner and he was going to school. So he would miss chunks of school because he had to go to work. Yeah, so circumstances. Just to feed the family, yeah. Circumstances, yeah. That alone um, can can change somebody's path and direction. You had both parents in the home, correct? Or both parents? Um, my, well, for for most of my upbringing, um, right around actually. So my father passed away on my recruiting trip to San Diego State. Yeah, tell us about that. I, I was going to get to that, um, but but yeah. actually, right before that, I want to know what the dynamic was. Uh, for you, because there's a lot of players out there, even great players um, like a LeBron James that didn't have a father in the home or didn't have a father at all or didn't know their father. They had a father, but they didn't know him. So how did that help you having your father up until that point? You get to see the world through both sets of eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have two sets of eyes on you and the responsibility of um, of parenting, you get to see it from both sides mm-hmm. and you get to see what 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 team parenting looked like, yeah, you know, and um, they were so different, but at the same time, they, they cultivated in me what they wanted my life to be like and the values that they wanted me to have. And, and those things are things that I, um, you know, I just, you, you, you sort of fight it mm-hmm. in the beginning and then you just start to gravitate to it because you understand that those are the principles in life and, and they're going to affect your life whether you want them to or not. Yeah. Whether you have it, whether you, you're going to make a decision to either be that way or not. Well, and whether you make that decision, it, it, it's still affecting you. If you choose to be like that or not, it's affecting you. For sure. I'll say this. I grew up in, in a home with both my parents and my dad was constantly, you know, speeching me and telling me things but the crazy part was, as I grew older, some of the stuff he was talking about came to fruition. And I'm like, my dad said that, you know, like it, it didn't at the time I wasn't listening. And at the time, well, I, I was listening. But at the time, I, you know, you're a kid. You're like, OK, OK, OK. But then once you get older, you're like, damn, I'm glad he told me that because now I can make a better decision. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Um the things your parents say and the feelings of your thoughts towards they don't know what they're talking about to then you realize they know what they were talking about. Yeah. 
how lucky you were that you followed their instructions exactly. to then becoming a parent and having your kids think you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'll be like, all right, don't listen to me. Trust me. Right. <laughs> I'll make your life much easier. I want to go into that. The, the whole recruitment of you coming to San Diego state. Like I understand that you had, you know, multiple, multiple people recruiting you and I want to know, like, cause you had Miami, you had some, some big, 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 big schools on the, on the list. And then San Diego State, you know, I was like, that's crazy to me. So, you know, I just want to ask you, number one, how did it how did it feel to be recruited by those big, big time schools? Number two, uh, how did you even decide I'm going to go? Because I know you had some family issues and what like did your dad or your mom just say, just say go. Like, I want to know why you chose to go on that trip to San Diego State, because it was your last trip, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So so. San Diego State was my, was my last trip, and I, I literally came out here because I, you know, I never, I was like, I never, been, I want to go to California, and I had no idea what the school was like or what it was like out here, and you know, it was just just exploring. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you when you when you go see a Nebraska, a Texas A and M, you know, you go see a Georgia, you go see a Miami, it's like wow, like this is. You, you see why they are what they are. But for me, I, I knew I knew what position I wanted to play. I knew what I wanted to do. And my head coach and I in, in high school, uh, we, we talked about it. And he said, you play so many positions, you have to decide what you want to do. I could have went to the, you know, I could have went to HBCU and played quarterback. Yeah. Uh, you know, I could have went to the, to the SWAC and played quarterback. Because that's where, you know, if, you, if you're a black quarterback, that's where you had to go at the time. You weren't going to a major university. Maybe every, you know, every once in a while, they give, they give us a look. Yeah. You know, but it, you weren't going to do that. And, and, and that's what I, I wanted to play quarterback, but I, I, I was most comfortable at running back. Yeah. So, so knowing that and, and taking these trips, the minute that they asked what position I wanted to play and I told them running back, I went to Nebraska. They sat me in a defensive backs room. I got up, walked out. It was like, what's wrong? I said, I'm in the wrong room. Yeah. I, I went and met, met with Coach Osborne. And he said, okay, all right. Well, you know, we, we have you listed as a DB. I said, it's not how I came here, Coach. Yeah. Went to Miami. Coach Erickson, he literally sat down and told me. I said, Coach. Yeah, I, I want to play running back. He said, Marshall, we have they had they had a, a a JUCO transfer coming in and Donnell Bennett. And that was he was like, he's gonna play, he's gonna start for us, and you're too small to play in our single back system. Thanks, coach. Went to AM, RC Slocum sent me down. And and when I walked in the meeting, I walked past this guy a little shorter than me, probably, you know, probably more more stocky, more built. I told RC I wanted to play. Um, they they had Kevin Smith, who got drafted in the first round by the Cowboys, kind of take me around on my trip. So they have a defensive back taking me around on my trip. Yeah. Because that's what they want me to play. I sit down with RC. I tell him, I said, Coach Slocum, I want to play running back. And the guy I walked by, he said, you see that guy who you just walked by, Marshall? So, yeah, he said, that guy was Mr. Football in Texas. He rushed for almost 3,000. 
thousand yards, and he just committed to here. So we don't have room for you at running back, but you can play the guy was Greg Hill. Ah. Right? Wow. So I knew what I wanted to do after all of those trips, even after I came to San Diego State. The thing that happened at San Diego State was, um, you know, I was a real closed off kid, youngest of six boys. Um, didn't really, you know, didn't really talk a lot, didn't really do much, kind of stuck to myself. And on that trip, I got stuck in the airport with Curtis Johnson. He was recruiting. He's from New Orleans. He was recruiting the area. Yeah. And 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 we kind of bonded, you know, and and being stuck in the airport, just something happened with us. And then coming here, Griff was my host. Robert Griffith hosted me. Yeah. And uh, man, I just had a really good time here. I had a good time. Uh, I didn't. It, it, it wasn't about the team. It wasn't about nothing. It wasn't about what they had. It was just about the collection of guys that was here, and how well they got along, and and um, how much of a brotherhood it was. And I was like, I like that. That was. I was. That's I, like I, I. I enjoyed that. So that's what sold you. Yeah. Well, that um, obviously you get to walk around campus. Did they say? You know, did um, they say anything about your position though? No, no, no. At that point in time, we didn't even talk about position. We didn't even talk about any of that because I had told Curtis what happened. So I think what he did was let's not put him in meetings. Let's just show him the school and everything. And so they did that. And I watched a little tape on 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 their offense and defense. But when I went home, I landed and 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 I, I want to say that Saturday that I was here, my father passed away. And so it was just something for that to happen while I was here and everything that was going on, it was just like kind of surreal. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I, um, you know, I flew back home, I was kind of struggling in school at the time, just trying to piece, you know, you're, you're about to make this huge decision and your father passes away. It's like, man, I got to make this decision kind of by myself. Yeah. Was he was he somebody was, in your life that that helped you with that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I was, you know, it, it was always my parents are, um, you know, they were the kind of parents that they wanted you to make the decision. You could ask them for advice, but you had to make the decision because you had to live with it. Yeah. So I think so, that's the kind of parent I'm going to be, or I am, because I because I I you know I kind of guide them. But at the end of the day, I want them to make their own decision. Yeah, and that's 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 what they did. And so not having him, and then I literally I told I told my high school coach I said, you know, man, these these teams are lying. Not that they, not that they know who I am. You know, they see what I'm doing in track. They know I play baseball. They they're just lying to me, and I don't feel it doesn't feel genuine. Yeah. I say, you know what? It's not going to be about what they can do. I say, coach, the first team that says to you that they want me to play running back, that's where I'm going. And I remember I was sitting in class. I was in my um, uh, trigonometry class, and I get a call down to report to the gym. And it's Coach Luganville on the phone. And I, and I asked my coach, I said, Coach Reese, what's up? He said, uh, there's a coach that want to talk to you. And Coach Lubin was like, Marsh, I just want you to know that we love to have you. We want you here. And we see you as a running back here at San Diego State. And so, you oh. know, I just, my coach said, so what do you think? 
I said, well, you know, I, I told you the first school that offered me running back. That's where I'm going. He was like, okay. And that was it. That was literally it. Wow. That, well, so then they made your decision for you <laughs> in yeah. a way. Yeah. So you, you, you decide, all right, I'm coming to San Diego state. What was the first, like, I guess I want to say culture shock when you got here. Was there any culture shock when you got here? When you first stepped on the campus, like, man, this is different. So, so what I did was when I graduated high school, like the end of May, I came out here in June mm -hmm. and um, I stayed with a couple of the players that I met here. So uh, we'll take, we'll take. So we'll, I crashed on this couch and we just started working out and training. Yeah. I did you know, the same so thing. I, I was blessed enough to live here already. So there I started go. getting in with Coach O early, you know, and I felt like that helped me a lot with my, just my yeah. confidence. Yeah. Well, for me, it just helped me not having to deal with school, but yet transitioning. Because mm -hmm. this is a, man, I went to, Robert, I went to all black high school. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, oh, hold on, wait. I went to all black schools my whole life. So this was the first time I went to school with another race. Wow. Had another teacher other than a black person. Yeah. Anything. Another teammate that was, I never had a, a white teammate. That's crazy too. <laughs> Holy moly. So, <laughs> so it was a lot of adjustments. And then you, you know, if you, if you spent any time in New Orleans and you understand just the culture of how close knit of a community we are. Mm -hmm. And then you come here, it's like this melting pot of diversity. Yeah. I mean, it was black and white. Mm-hmm. I come here, I'm like, oh my God, this is, are you kidding me? So did you like, did you I like came. it? Did it feel good? Or was it like weird? It wasn't a, it wasn't a like or a dislike. It was, it was good that if I wanted to, if I wanted to become something, I had to go explore and, and put myself in different situations and change my surroundings. Yeah. I knew that, you know, cause I saw the life that people lived in New Orleans and I wanted more than that. Yeah. So, so the diversity and the culture and all of that stuff was something I was like, I want, I want something different. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw it when I came and visited, but when I got here, I was like, I'm here now. I mean, I came here with two duffel bags and like 200 bucks. That was it. My family couldn't send me money. Yeah. I came knowing that I had to make it. Uh -huh. That was it. And that sometimes I, 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 I there was no going home. Yeah, sometimes that's what's what kids need. You know, the fact that they know there's no other option. You know, right. and when they when they get that in their mind, their brain, you know, there's only one way to go. You know, there's no right, left. There's no back. It's that way. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. I, failure was not an option for me. Exactly. So I will say this: you came in and you didn't start. Um, no. where you wanted to be because you were low on the depth chart, correct? When you first oh got here. Yeah, I was, I was last. I was the last, there was seven running backs. I was the seventh running back when, when we started camp. Uh -huh. And we all know how that played out game two. You, you blew up 37 carries, 386 yards and seven touchdowns, which was the NCAA record at the time. And this was basically your first game playing because the first first game of the season you didn't get much run but I want to talk about the journey leading up to that point what was the process from that seventh on the depth chart to number two 
into one. Like, what would that? Because that's like a that that's actually was a quick time period. That was like what end of or beginning of August to mid September. You you jumped yeah. really high. Um, so I want to know yeah. how that process was for you, um, because there's going to be kids that are going to come in, in that same situation. You know, they're going to be that their their high school team did everything on it. And then they're going to have to come in and then be number seven on the depth chart. And I just want to know what your mentality was. Um, was there any ups and downs in that time period? I just want to know how that process was from the beginning of, of August to that second game. Yeah. So. So first of all, just coming here to be in the facilities and to have what we had at that point in time, coming from, you know, all black high school. And I mean, we didn't have much. Yeah. You do that. And now you give me the equipment. I mean, I, I always, I, I never had a new pair of cleats. You know, I, I wore old cleats all the time. We couldn't afford it. Wow. So now I get free cleats. I get free gear. I'm like, Oh my God, this is. Cheat code. Then, <laughs> then I'm out. In New Orleans in August, uh-huh. dude, it's a hundred, yeah, hundred percent humidity. You know, ninety anywhere from 90, 95 to hundred. We out here in 70, 75, They complaining about the heat, so I'm already, I'm already, I already know I'm more, I'm, I'm more mentally tough than, than a lot of these kids, man. And then the hunger, you know, the hunger. Like I was physically hungry, <laughs> you know, because I only had the meal card, you know, and, and and you get, you know, you you don't you don't really. When you're when you're um, when you're in camp, we we used to stay in the dorms over where the baseball field is. Yeah. Um, and and other than the food that they fed us, I didn't have I didn't have money to buy extra food. So, like literally hungry, and then hungry because I knew I had to make it. And it's no disrespect to any of those guys that was there. They had no idea of the hunger and the thirst that I had. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were playing football because they. You know, it was like something that they enjoyed doing. I was playing football because I had to. Yeah. You know, it was it was it was my lifeline. Yeah, necessity. <laughs> yeah. So whatever needed to be done, I was gonna do it. But mentally, so like most kids that come in as a freshman, they're not expecting to play, you know, like red shirt. We're gonna red shirt and then, you know, the, especially if you're it's seventh on the depth chart, at, at least myself mentally, I might have thought. I'm probably not going to play this year. You know, even going into my second year, me personally, going into my second year, I redshirted my first year, going into my second year, um, I was, like, doing really well on, you know, scout team as far as special teams. So mentally I'm thinking, you know, we got three seniors and a bunch of juniors, sophomores, and going into my second season, I'm thinking – I'm probably going to get to play a lot of special teams. So that's my mental state was I'm going to be the best special teamer ever to play at San Diego State. Long story short, I ended up backing up JR that season. There was three seniors and then me that was playing the whole season. So, um, you know, I wasn't uh, even thinking, though. So I want to know what you were thinking as a freshman coming out of high school. You're seventh on the depth chart. How what? Why did you think mentally that you were going to play? Because you had I to. Scouted my, I, I, I scouted my. I scouted the competition. You know, I watched. TC had a really good year. Uh-huh. TC Wright was the starter. Yeah. He he actually was all whack. Like he was all whack, offensive player, going into that year, and it was 
another senior named Curtis Butts. Um, there was two juniors named Larry Maxey and Kip Jeffries. Um, and uh, they brought in uh, Wayne Pittman was all San Diego, Mr. Mira Mesa. And he was a freshman that came in with me. And there was one other guy. I can't think of his name. I'm drawing a blank on his name. So I knew him. I, I watched him play. I knew my competition. I knew it. I knew them. And I just, I just said to myself, I knew, and I knew I had to play. I had to play. I was, I, I never, I never not played on any team. I'm talking from the first day that I was on the team, I was a starter. It didn't matter what age level. It did not matter. Yeah. So to me, to me, because I always played up, you know, I, I never looked at myself as a freshman not going to play. It was how much time am I going to get to play and how soon are they going, are they going to move me up? That's what it was. I mean, I, you know, I, I knew, I knew football. I could, I, I, I wasn't just a player. Like I knew I was taught football. Mm-hmm. One thing, so I knew the game. One thing I, I've learned from you um, just, oh, just watching different interviews and watching, uh, just, oh, this is over the years, you know, because I'm from San Diego. The, the two players that I looked up to starting from Pop Warner going up through the ranks or whatever was Junior Seau and Marshall Falk. Those are the two players that I looked up to that I was like, I want to be like them, you know? Um, but so one thing I, I've always watched your interviews, always watched like your football life and all that stuff because that, you know, you're San Diego to me. I, I know you're from New Orleans and you represent them, but you represent my city too, you know? So, oh, yeah, no so, doubt. so I was, you were, you were San Diego and so was junior. And um, one thing I always noticed about you is you were a student of the game. And, and when I, you know, got to the college level and got to the, you know, got got a shot at the next level. My my um, what I thought about was you. Like I got my dad always tell me the neck up. You if you can if you can get the game from the neck up, you know you'll separate yourself because everybody's fast, everybody's athletic, right? But one thing I think I lacked that you have and you had was confidence. You know, I always looked at other players and like tries to size them up like, oh, am I, you know, am I, you know, but one thing I, I've just off, I don't, I don't know. I w- didn't see it firsthand cause I wasn't on any of your teams, but from what I, I noticed is that you've always had the confidence, no matter what realm, you, whether it was TV, whether it was on the football field, whether it was in a group of people, you've always had the confidence and I admire that number one, but number two, I want to ask, where did you get that from? I wish I could say I always had it. You know, um, when you're the youngest of six boys and you, you know, you get beat up a lot, you get picked on a lot. You, you develop because you want, you, you, want, you want to belong and you want them to know that you can carry your own weight. Yeah. You know, I always, I always put the work in so I knew I knew what I knew and I knew my capabilities and you had to do something special to beat me. That was just, that was like it. So, so I was, you know, respect, I respect you, 
but you're not winning today. That was always my mindset. I'm I'm better than you. Some way, some way, somehow, I'm either I'm either gonna outlast you, <laughs> I'm either gonna outsmart you, I'll run you, I'm out tough you. Somewhere I'm a win. Somewhere I'm gonna find out how to win. And that's you know, that's where that's where it is. And it's so- I, I'm not giving you the leg up. Even even if you beat me. I'm not giving you the leg up. Like you, you know, it, it, it didn't it, No. So are you saying you got that from being the youngest or are you yeah. saying it's been ingrained in you just through, through, throughout life? I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say part being the youngest and, and, and another part of, um, you know, behavior is, um, is attained through association and, and what's learned. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom worked three jobs, two jobs, I never, I, I never saw her quit on anything in her life. Yeah. You know, for, for a woman with a 10th grade education to raise six boys and, and to do what she did. And when you watch somebody work hard like that and you get, you get to do something like play a sport, man, I, I understand what hard work, I understood what hard work was and I still do today. And so when I decide that I'm going to do something, I acquire the skill and the knowledge to do it. I'm okay with people saying I'm cocky because it's fine. I'm okay with that. None of that bothers me. But what you're not going to say is that I'm not confident. But see, do people say like say the negative parts of confidence? To, oh yeah, to you? they do. Yes. See, yeah. I don't. When I look at you, I don't see that. I see somebody that is number one, like I said, confident. But then someone is sure in their abilities and sure that if I get in any room. I'm going to be okay and I can control the situation. Yeah. I don't really see somebody that's arrogant or someone that's, you well, know. you, you know me, you know me. So yeah. you, you know, the dynamic, see confident people see confident people. They don't see cocky people. Yeah. People who don't have people who lack confidence mistake confidence for cockiness. True. True. That's, that's very true. And, and what I, what I also like is that you're real genuine with people, even if it's to the point where they may they may not like what you say. You're real genuine and real. And I get that from a lot of new a lot of my New Orleans people like Michael Franklin. See, I came in with Michael Franklin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was kind of his translator over the years. <laughs> with his <laughs> New Orleans dialect, you know, I don't know why I could understand it, but um, I would always just, you know, translate to people when we were out in the public. And um, but one thing I, I could appreciate about him, you um, just a lot of the people that were that I've met from the South is that they were real. You know, they didn't they didn't BS you. They didn't they weren't really they were real genuine. And that's why when I see you as a confident person and I see you moving, I'm like, that's right. It's it's a, it's a part of our culture. We will be honest and, and understanding that the person that they're, that we're speaking to want honesty, they can accept it Mm -hmm. because I want it like that. If you walk up to me and you're feeling a certain way, tell me I'm a respect that that those are your feelings. I'm not going to be bent out of shape. Yeah. Yeah. And if I if I offended you, then I'm a, I'm gonna let you know what was misconstrued, or I'm gonna apologize if I feel apology is necessary. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just a, you know, there's no hidden agendas in the South, man. You you understand you understand where people stand. 
Yeah. And um, it, it's it's funny that, and, and I'm going to say this because these times are calling for this. In California, racism is hidden. In the South, you know your racist people. They let you know yeah. the racist. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> and it, it's, it's becoming more evident out here. Yes. But out there, you know. You know. They don't hide you know. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And you and it's, you know what? Hey, this person's race, that's it. I'm going to respect your space. I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm going to respect your space. That's how you feel. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in California, a lot of that gets hidden. You know, a lot of people hide and they don't really say it or whatever, whatever. And then, you know, things come up or things pop up. And then you see these, oh, my God, that's how they're acting. Yep, the true color show. Because you're so genuine and so real, I need to ask you one question. And I it's, it's the only reason why I'm asking this question because I saw some of your old <laughs> interviews where you where they would ask you, you know, and at the time I, I know you gotta be PC, but I wanna know where you going after that Heisman. And I know you're a team player, because you, if you got the Heisman, we all got the Heisman. And when I yeah, say we yeah. all, I mean San Diego. I mean your O-lineman. I mean your quarterback. Everybody got the Heisman. We claim yeah. that Heisman. So no PC here. I want to know if you are really going after that Heisman. All three years, man. That's what I like All to three hear. years. All three years. I, I don't play for second. You know, like I, 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 want, I want it all. Like I want – I. I, I played everything I ever did. I I wanted to be not just the best that I could be, but the best period. Mm-hmm. I didn't idolize nobody else. Uh-huh. I respected what they did. I appreciated it. I, I kind of like looked at it like, okay, I see what they do, but I can do it better. Yeah. And, you know, um, disappointing all three times. Uh, but it I fueled th- the fire. You know, it fueled the fire. Me personally, I think it was just the record. I said, yeah. I think if if we had better records those 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 seasons, I think you would have got it probably twice. <laughs> you know, it it it. I'll be honest. It 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 doesn't matter, and it has morphed into to what it needed to morph into. It's not the best college player; it's the best college player on the best team. Yeah. So it's it's not. So say it what you want. Uh huh. <laughs> because because they go into the league. And because they're not on the best team, they don't play well. It's true. Very true. Very true. So, you know, it is what it is. It, it, it all worked itself out, man. You know, things happen for a reason. I needed that to happen because, you know, I, I find, man, I go in there, I, I find reasons, you know, to, to work harder, to, to push get motivated. myself. I'm looking, I'm looking for reasons. You seen the last dance? Oh yeah. You see yeah. how MJ was? <laughs> yeah, same thing. That's yeah. that's my character, man. Same thing. Serious. I if, if somebody I'll, I'll tell you a story and this is so Terrell Owens when I got with the Rams and he was with the Niners, he said something about our offense and I literally took it personal. And I didn't like him as a person for a long time. Wow. <laughs> But it, but it, but it helped me fuel the fire. Yeah. With the rivalry between the Rams and the Niners, it just, it just, I couldn't let it go. Yeah. Same division. And I, I, up until I'm gonna tell you, it was like maybe three or four years ago. I walked up to him at at, at a Super Bowl. I was like, man, I just want to squash this with you because you know I, like in my head, I made up this. We didn't like each other, and I didn't like you, and it, I got what I needed out of it. 
And yeah. I don't need to have that relationship with you. <laughs> he probably didn't even know. <laughs> he was probably like, what? You yeah, didn't like man, me? I thought you liked me, man. Yeah, I had. I just had it. Uh, me and uh, Rodney Harrison, I had the same thing with Rodney. You know, I'd see Rodney around San Diego, but when we played the Chargers, I couldn't stand him. Mm-hmm. And it just, I just kept it going. I just kept it going because I, I needed that. Yeah. I, I, I needed like that. He was like, those were people that when I was working out, when I had to make a decision on, am I going to go hang out tonight? Cause I got an early workout. I didn't hang out. Like they made my decisions easier yeah. when you got to make those tough decisions about friends, family, or putting in the work. It yeah. made my decisions easy, man. And see, that's the kind of things that some of these kids that potentially might be listening to this podcast that, you know, future assets, they need to know. You know, like just just how I, I see a lot of NBA players right now saying that we're that are retired. And man, I wish I had this document, this MJ documentary back when I played because it would have just gave me a whole different perspective. Now you're giving, you know, our future uh, a perspective. So um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But what I do want to say is I always ask, you know, just some words of motivation to anybody that let's just let's just take a, a, a kid from from new orleans or you know you know coming from from less that potentially could come to san diego state yeah so if, if there's one thing that i you know and I, and I constantly tell people this especially kids you're going to college you're going to play ball the opportunity that you're going to have and the things that are going to be said you should and should not do. It's your future. You should take it in your own hands and make of it what you want. If you want to play ball, don't just play ball. Like, be the best ball player possible. Mm-hmm. If you want to go to school, don't just go to school. Get the best education possible. Max out everything you do in life because when time run out, time run out. Yeah. When it's time for you to lead a game, you don't want to leave, but it's time for you to leave and you got to go. Yeah. So get all that you can out of it because it's going to get all of, all that it can out of you. Now, you you mentioned real quick, you mentioned opportunity. When I think of you, I think of opportunity in multiple ways, you know, whether it was someone getting hurt and you getting in there. And yeah. then when you got in there, you made the most of your opportunity. Um, then coming out, you know, being drafted number two, you took advantage of that opportunity, um, you know, and then getting getting traded to the, um, you know, the Rams. The Rams. Taking yeah. the, making the most out of that, that opportunity. Um, can you speak on opportunity real quick? Anything. Yeah, that, that's a huge word for me. Yeah. You know, um, when I speak now, I tell people about the opportunity that exists. You know, this world is a, is a big opportunity and your hopes and dreams fit inside of it. Yeah. And and you pass up an opportunity, man. It could be it could be the chance of a lifetime. Yeah. You know, a lot of people they're just not prepared, man. You know, I, I think about there it I, is. I think about I think about if I would have allowed being seventh on the depth chart to define what I was going to be the Marshall Falk that we know would not exist. Not at all. Would not even exist. 
So true. And you said you said I was waiting for that word preparation um, because you were over prepared all the time. You know, you knew I and that potentially could have been from from playing quarterback because I feel like quarterback has to know everything. So you did that. And I think you just kept that up throughout your whole career. I feel like you knew everybody's responsibility at every moment. And it's part of learning, learning football, man. Yeah, it's like people people play football and it's crazy. They they play football and they learn a position. What? Un- until the video games came out, people didn't think about learning everything. You know, really? but mentally, I've been playing video games my whole life in football. In real you know, life, I saw the game. I saw the game as a game. Yeah. You know, it's and that's you know that's it, it's been that way for me. Hundred been that way for me. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Feel free to come back anytime, you know. I'm oh, yeah. here. Oh, for sure. For um, sure. And uh stay blessed. Stay safe out there. And uh thank you again. Appreciate you. Right on, brother. Have a good one, man. You too. Peace. It was a blessing to have Marshall Falk on the Aztec Legacy podcast to share his journey and his legacy. Uh what we can learn from him is always be prepared for the opportunity. Uh there's so many things that that so many opportunities that he was able to take advantage of because he was prepared. And um, also I would like to point out the fact that he didn't uh, accept what most of the colleges, the, even the big, you know, powerhouse colleges were saying to him about him playing defense. He stood up for himself. He believed in his ability to play the position of running back, and he stayed uh, really committed to what he told his high school coach, which was the first school that offers me a scholarship to play running back. I'm going there. So shout out to Al Luganbell, Coach Al Luganbell, for, um, you know, bringing him to San Diego State. Um, coach C- Curtis Johnson, who also – had a hand in in bringing him to San Diego State because remember, had his his flight not been delayed and had he not ran into Curtis uh, Johnson, Coach Curtis Johnson, who was at San Diego State at the time, he wouldn't even came potentially came on the trip to San Diego State. So, uh, you know, it was an opportunity that San Diego State took advantage of, and you know we were all blessed for it. Uh, so. Again, shout out to Marshall for coming on the show and blessing us with his legacy and his journey. And, you know, like I tell you, every single show, uh, your your legacy is not just, you know, the records and the, you know, Heisman candidate and, the you know, stats that you rack up over the, the years. No, it, it, it's about the journey. It's about the process. Uh, that you had to go through to get to that, those, those things, those rewards and those accolades. Um, and also the people that you blessed in the process, the people, the, the hearts you've touched in the process. So again, this is the Aztec Legacy Podcast with your host, Robert Ortiz, where we learn from the journey of past, present, and future Aztecs. Thank you for joining me. Respect the journey. Aztecs for life. Legacy. 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 Legacy.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.